What up, what up, what up? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I want to welcome you to another edition of the Charles Coleman Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Coleman, and super excited about today's show. Before we get started, make sure you do yourself a favor. Hit that like button, that subscribe button at the bottom of the screen if you're watching us on YouTube. If you're listening to us wherever podcasts are heard, make sure you are liked, subscribed, and registered to the Charles Coleman Podcast. This is the new home for Black Brilliance. We're not just outside. We're not just all the way up. We are in hyperspace, so come get with us. We're going to get right into today's show. Super excited. Always love running the triangle offense. And we got the Brooklyn bully beat down <laughs> triangle offense for you today. Going to get right into it. To my left, y'all know him. He's Mr. Style and Performance. Emerson's finest. Mr. High Energy himself. DJ CEO is in the building on the couch. What is happening, my brother? I hear that. You know what I'm saying? Champagne in the campaign. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Feeling good? I'm feeling good, man. I'm just in my Lafayette and Grand. Yeah. I, you, you know? You love with the promos. I ain't mad at you. Like, Come on, fam. I'm promoing Black Williams the hell out of it. And G, you know, that's actually a school. That's actually just uh, a page from the Sherubin School of Business. Like, really? The branding. Oh, yeah. That's our, that's our shit. All, mean, day. All, all day. All day. This is how all day. Which brings me... To our next person on the couch, you know her, you love her. She's the leader of the Blue Notes at 593 Washington. She is the boss. She's the professional winner. Gloria Sherubin is in the building. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What up? What up? What up? The things are singing. I'm just gonna say it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just, I'm just gonna get the audience. We out here. Of we here for all of it. Yeah, we're, we're, it's, it's available. How you been, man? I'm good. I'm good. How you That's, been? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. I can't complain. You know what I was thinking about? Um, I love black people. As you should. I love us the most. And one of the I, and one of the reasons why I love black people is because there are certain things about us that we cannot sort of like we just refuse to do right. So I was having a conversation. I thought this was hilarious because I'm sure you guys have experienced it. There are levels of black actor famous. Like there's a whole like cadre of people who we all know who they are, but we all know their names. Mm -hmm. But if you say the character that they played. You know them. Of course. You'd be like, oh, okay, so if I say, like, Glenn Thurman, for example, mm -hmm. a lot of people would be like, who? Yeah, Come me. on now. Or you would be like, who, right? Who? You would be like, who? Yes. You. I suck at names, though. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Preach. From Preach. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Or, exactly. or Colonel Taylor or from Or Colonel Taylor world. from a dis different world. Right. Same thing. Uh, another one. Um, oh, this is a good one. Cause he's been in like mad stuff, Delray Lindo. Oh come on, man. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you black, black Delray Lindo. I don't know, bro. You, you seen Crooklyn? Yes. The father. Oh yeah. See, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a different level of fame. And he was also uh, West Indian. Archie he was West Indian Archie and Malcolm X. Right, like it's yes. it's a lot of actors like, but it'd be real like that. Like you don't really be knowing their name right. like that. <laughs> you know, yeah. no, no, no. At least for me, but I'm, you know I'm the keep it but you know the character, right? Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. it's like we refuse to get right. And, and the thing <laughs> I feel so bad about, like as a professional, is that these people went to like school and <laughs> trained. That's mad is a word. They are very deep into their craft, and we can't Absolutely. even remember their names. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, I'm gonna try another one. You should know this. Um, this is an easier one. Wendell Pierce. I told you, man. You look yeah, at that one. I'm not. Yeah. You don't know who <laughs> is? Nah, you got me on that one. He's like, he's first of all, he's in Death of a Salesman now. Okay. That's running. He was in. Oh my gosh, he's the he's the from the 
But this is a testament we to what they to give us life. with their art. Right. It's like, you are this forever. Forever. Forever, that right? Part. You're just in that role. But that's their job. Yo, people are still mad at, and see, now I'm, I'm about to do the same thing. I feel so bad because I'm about to use his name. This is not his name. <laughs> this is not his name. He's been in so many things. And sir, I apologize, sir. Like, I want to get on my phone and look your name up. Eugene from Law & Order. Who was also in Diary of a Mad Black Man and who a Mad Black Woman who black women hate? You know what I'm talking about? The light skinned dude? No, that was Shamar Moore, fool. I'm talking about the, the bald one, the big bald one. Who was on Law and Order? The big bald dude on Law and Order. You got me on that one. Yo, y'all. You doubled down on that. Sorry, he, fam. He's been, he's like the villain in everything. Oh! Yes! Yes! Exactly! I oh, we were just that. watching him on New York Undercover the other right. day. Right, he's been in mad stuff. And he's always the bad guy. He's always the bad guy. People, Nobody knows his name. People will allow him to be anything <laughs> other than the bad nah, guy. No, he's typecasted. He's typecast, but not just typecast, he's role cast. Yes. You did that girl in Diary of a Black Man. Oh, nah, they <laughs> they <laughs> like, went up on him on that alone. On that alone. Yes. I'm a, you know what, by the end of today's episode, I'm going <laughs> to find out son's name. It's going to come to me. The wait, you talking, wait. That's Wood Harris's brother. Is it? Yes. That's what I was his brother. That recently came out like a couple months ago. Everybody was like, what? Him and Wood Harris are brothers. And we know who Wood Harris is, but we don't know. So his last name is Harris? Yes. Mr. Harris, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> we're going to move yeah. on. All right. This is going to bring us to our shortcuts. This is our news and views, our hot takes on things that are on the mind, conversations that you may not necessarily have heard about, but maybe you did and you didn't get enough out of them in mainstream media. Um, I've got kind of an interesting one. Mm-hmm that I wanted to think about, wanted you guys to think about. Um, recently, there was a story about literally thousands, mm. thousands of nurses or would-be nurses in the state of Florida who basically bought their degrees. Mm. Mm-hmm. They, like, bought their degrees, mm-hmm. right? And there were so many different things about this story that I thought were interesting, shocking, upsetting. But the main one, like, quite frankly, was the level of privilege. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, like, I'm a professional guy, right? Like, I'm an attorney. Okay, cool. I can't tell you the number of times that, like, I've just gone to court, sat in the front row, which is supposed to be for jurists alone, and without saying a word. It's not like I got up on the record. It's not like I said... Your honor, like I tried to address the court. Just because of where I sat in the court, people have questioned my credentials. Excuse me, this this role is for, I know who this role is for. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> the idea that these people have been in this space doing what they're doing, mm-hmm. shooting people up, taking all kinds of measurements and all kinds of everything else, and like didn't even register. The level of privilege is mind blowing. Mm. The fact that you think you can, I know, I know, know what you're gonna say. You're gonna say, you're gonna say, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, Is it though? I want to hear what y'all. Go ahead. Maybe, maybe I'm just off base. Maybe I'm expecting too much. I don't understand. I'm not surprised (laughs) when I read it. I was just like, 
I know this is not the Caribbean community of nurses. Because, <laughs> you know, we make some nurses in our community. Oh, yes, a lot oh, yes. of CNAs. And the people that make it to be the nurses, listen, they take their profession very seriously. Yes. Ain't no, I bought this paper. They but study, it, it, they it, it, working, yeah. they, they getting that extra overtime. They not out here fraudulent. But the whiting be whiting, man. Come on. No, for, as soon as I started reading, I was like, I already know. Two things that didn't shock me. One, Florida. That part. <laughs> okay, that part. Florida's a go. Um, and when you use the word privilege, that that adds, it's not even an adjective. It's, it's, a, it's a noun. It's a noun, right. Grammar that, 101, bro. Come on, man. <laughs> um, the, it's just like, come on. I wasn't shocked. When we had this conversation before, I was like, they were all white? And he was like, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm not shocked anymore. Because like white privilege in this country is undefeated. So, because you remember- It's right if they were shushuing. Huh? Shushu? Huh? What? What? Privilege is up there with shushu. Privilege is up there with shushu. This White level of privilege, nah. I mean, the shushu and game. We're not gonna make that comparison. I'm gonna get downgraded <laughs> in my shushu. <laughs> but, but, here, but here's the thing that I, I, I wanted to. Do you remember? You said it was thousands of them. Yeah. That's the privilege. Because you were. It's not that every other culture, race don't be trying shit, right? You said thousands yeah. of them. Remember the black, the it's black good. kid. Who tried to fake being a doctor? Son was like, son was in it the first day. They was like, fam, <laughs> right? You, you got gotta to go. go, right? You gotta go. You got to go quick, fast, in a hurry. Yeah, Doogie High with my ass. <laughs> right. right. It was like, yeah, that's not right. Yeah, that's not happening. No, that's that's that that is a real thing. And the fact that so many people got away with it for so long, and it wasn't questioned or challenged. Like nobody got into the workforce and was like, so you don't know how to take blood pressure? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. So would you bring up one just word that scrubs. nobody just else coming in with scrubs. And they go, huh? Right. <laughs> just, just, what, what are we doing? Femur. Fem, you, what? What are you talking Donna about? Donna Cameron makes scrubs? What you right. doing here? <laughs> yeah. I, it, it just, it blew my mind. And again, I just, it reminded me of the double standard that we face in certain spaces where we have to be credentialed up and other people don't. And sort of like the ability for that to take place and that to happen. But, mm -hmm. We're gonna move on. Um, I wanted to have some fun with this. Yo, I newsflash, mm -hmm. and it's come to you. I said that I said it was gonna be delivered to me. Eugene is his name <laughs> is Steve Harris. Steve Harris. Steve Harris, Steve Harris, Harris. ladies and gentlemen. Steve Harris. Steve Harris. You know what? As a matter of fact, we're gonna we're gonna do you right, sir. <laughs> Steve Harris, we're gonna give you a round of applause <laughs> for your <laughs> amount of work that you've done in your craft. See, it's a, it's a damn shame we don't know who these people are. And we know their characters. We know their work. He's on BMF, too. Is he? Oh, yeah, no. he's a detective. He's a cop on BMF. Of course he's a cop. Oh, yeah, I did see that, like, he's, he's a, doing the he's, most. He's a crooked cop, uh, yeah, but he's, he's a cop nonetheless. Yes. Oh! Yes. Now nah, I know you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, for real. Crazy. Crazy. That's a, it, it's a shame. We know, the, we know the characters, but we don't necessarily know the actors' names, which is a shame. Um, wanted to have some fun. Uh, a lot of people may not know this. Coincidentally, CEO and I have our favorite movie is the same favorite movie. A lot of people who know me, if you know me, you know that I am a huge as a CEO. Mm -hmm. I won't speak for you, my brother, but I'll speak I know, with I appreciate you. No, you, you got it. We, we are huge Goonies fans. Now, part of that is the nostalgia of what it is to grow up in the 80s and mm -hmm. to be like coming of age in the 80s. I remember all of them. Like everything, like, I, like I could go on and on and on and on just about, like I could do, I could just do the the Haynes, I mean the Corys, Haynes yeah, and Feldman, Feldman, and go right. through their whole resume, License to Drive, Lost, Lost Boys, Boys, like and just just go over uh, over again, or I could go to like John Candy and 
Rodney Dangerfield, Back to School, mm-hmm. um, Planes, Trains, <clears throat> Automobiles, a bunch of them. But I have, I, I had a question. You, are you cheating already? No, I'm not. You're what? cheating already? <laughs> Dang, what, what are you talking about? What, what is that, your boyfriend? Or are you just looking at movies? I just saw my thing went off and I had to just check something really quick. The quickly. professional winner, also known as the consummate cheater. <laughs> I want to know. You want to have good Wi-Fi in this place. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I got to know. Uh, CEO, I think I know your answer, but I'm still going to give it to you first. Mm. Your, uh, since G is over here cheating, guys, mm. if you're not watching on the, the show. Um, one 80s movie on repeat. You can't watch any other one. You get one 80s movies to bring back. You nah, don't get another one. It's, it's the Goonies. I even yeah. I even got, um, my wife bought me these because she know. I got the Goonies sock. I don't know if you can see. Uh, I got Yo, what's slot. This is slot. Yo, what's, what size are those? My size. Uh, that's some real. For those people <laughs> who don't understand the exchange that we just had, that's some real. I don't Brooklyn understand shit. what, what is going know. on right now. What? I really? Ain't nobody trying to stick you out in Brooklyn that, before? Uh, no. You are wearing the socks. Oh, the socks. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, you gotta love the no, Goonies. Is you, never I've never heard that. of it. Never I don't know that. what you're talking Whoa. about. Whoa. Never heard of Goonies. Whoa. Nah, Whoa. I'm sorry. Stop. I was I was I was raised in Brooklyn. Let's just certify that I was on the streets and y'all was in the house watching TV because you never heard of Goonies? Dog, I just Googled it and I didn't recognize oh, that's that what you Ned character. I'm like, you didn't recognize Josh Brolin? Is this another acronym to something else? Sean Austin? Sean Austin. Like, y'all really... We diff- different people. Well, I just put all, that out there. First you know of all, without, without, without putting your, you 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 are senior. Pause. <laughs> all right, <laughs> let's just chill with so that. So you was in the streets. I was in the streets. We was in the streets when we in were the in the 80s. House. Yeah, we, yeah. Y'all was like five. That's what y'all was five. Yeah, something like that. You was five. We Maybe. talking about a show that you watched when you was five, and you got on the goddamn socks right now. <laughs> you ain't never seen. Where that are stuck we, with you? bro? Not stuck with you that long? It's Nothing. A, it's a classic. My movie. baby father. That's the <laughs> only thing that stuck with me that long. All right. Uh, all where right. are we? What is one movie from the 80s? Because oh you're, you're a movie What are we person. talking about? Should I even be here? <laughs> I felt yeah, like you, I had a whole moment. I almost feel like you're the chaperone. Goonies, and I'm wearing the socks. You're, you're the chaperone. I got on a Goonie bra. You're the chaperone. Oh, wow. That's what we want to do? <laughs> no, seriously. Okay. What, 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 what one 80s movie that you could watch just Oh, my nonstop. goodness. 80s movie I could watch nonstop. I don't know. Just one. I think I loved Back to the Future. Okay. That's a good one. That's a respect. That's, that's a really respectable. Good one. Yeah. It's a really good one. But I don't have on like a Back to the Future. First bra. of all, your, your judgment is, right is unnecessary. I just need to point that out. Some undergarment. So, but if I bought you like a pair of like Marty McFly drawers, you wouldn't wear them? I mean, I probably would. But that's the fact of the matter is that did he know y'all was going to talk about this? Because I didn't know nothing about Goonies. And he's wearing the socks. Well, maybe, maybe not. Well, that's that's, that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. The love is real. And first of all, your judgment to me is also going to my wife because she bought me the socks. Oh, see, now so, you're actually going to. She's not going to do that. Nah. See, she's Don't not going to judge the wife. She's not going to judge Miss CEO. I'm not. I'm not. Miss CEO. Yes, DJ gets, CEO is not going to get she judged. Made, she obviously knew what you love. Let oh, me say she, that. She, she won on that one. That's going to bring us to our contributor segment. Uh, today we got style and performance by DJ CEO. Yes, yes, yes. What are we talking about today, my man? Today we are talking about the originality or the lack thereof. In what? In art in particular. So music. Uh, I'll stick with music because that is my, my lane as a, a professional uh, a DJ. But um, my biggest issue with today's music is the lack of originality. 
Um, you can turn on the radio and you can hear a million songs and you won't be able to identify who's who because everybody sounds alike. The producers are making the same beats. Uh, we don't really have singers anymore, but the people who are singing, right, all sound Nobody the same. Nobody stands out Nobody like, stands out like Steve rappers. Harris. Right. Like Pop Smoke King. Names. Right. Steve mm-hmm. Harris. Yeah, Steve Harris sticks out. Mm. Not the name, but him as a person, <laughs> he sticks out. Um, you know, Pop Smoke King, unfortunately, he was killed. Ten more Pop Smokes popped up. I um, thought Pop Smoke sounded like 50, personally. No. A little me, bit. To, to me, it didn't sound anything he like He gave me 50 vibes. A little bit. I mean, I, I But they also it. did completely different music. Like, the that's drill fair. music is that's, completely that's different. That's and, that's I'm, and, you know, you can't do anything about your voice, right? right? But your voice is a part of what makes you very unique. But the style of music, like, everything is the same. I had a, a as a DJ, as you can imagine, I get a lot of music sent to me. And this kid sent me some music. He's like, yo, I'm going to see if you could put this in rotation. What do you think? And I was listening. I was like, damn, I feel like I heard this song before. And I wasn't even trying to be funny. I was like, yo, I feel like I heard this before. And all he did was pretty much copy and paste something Future did or whatever. It's all the same. Now, there are a lot, and I'm speaking more so what's being pushed out in the public. There's a lot of amazing artists that are very unique in their sounds. Uh, YBN Corday. Uh, Anderson, I love YBN Corday. I love him. Uh, Anderson Pat. Of course. Um, uh, her. Um, I'm a big Lucky Day fan. Lucky Day. Um, uh, Jadena. Um, yeah. There's tons of artists that are, are very original. Unfortunately, they're not the ones that are put on the forefront. For a lot of us growing up, like the best of the best was always here. And everybody else that kind of like fell in that lane was kind of pushed to the back. Now times are reversed. And it's just very, as an artist and somebody who's a creative like my whole being is about creating something that's uniquely me. Like when I'm DJing, everybody in the room is gonna know when I got on. Because how I approach it is very much me. I'm not gonna be on a mic sounding like Flex or Kick Capri. I'm not gonna mix like a, a, a Jazzy Jeff or a Scratch or it's going to be uniquely me. And I feel like because art, I look at art as a gift. I look at it as a gift from God that you're supposed to share and it's uniquely yours. But I feel like the art space has now become an occupational option. So when it becomes an option, people are now looking at the bag and not not figuring out, not should they, not can they be here, but should they be here? You think think any of this matters? Like if you're getting paid, you think, uh, or do we we sound like some old fogies? Like, oh, it doesn't sound original. It all sounds the same. Like, I think because there's, What's driving the lack of originality is that ultimately you can still make money from it. Agree. We're in a space where you can still profit from it. So you, as our resident capitalist, <laughs> I'm curious, like, is there is there a space that you think it matters if you're talking about the consumption of something as opposed to the artistic <clears throat> space that CEO's referring to? I think I think it there, there's originality is always important, right? Mm-hmm. I said, but I, probably I think you're not considering is the fact that in today's market, the ability to put out to to produce music or art and put it out is a lot more accessible to more people. hundred percent. So in the past, where things were a lot more filtered, mm-hmm. so people having access to sound was restricted because only those people that were actually signed or got on or had access to those Studio to time. that small community, hundred percent, made for the uniqueness of sound. You know what I'm saying? But in today's market where anybody could pretty much cushion their bathroom or their closet with a laptop, produce a song, 
You feel mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It makes it for an arsenal of music to be constantly pouring out. And the thing that we might consider to be ingenuity or origination or that uniqueness could have always been a bigger majority in sound, but you just didn't have access to all those people where in today, all those people have streaming platforms, free YouTube, social media to get stuff out. So we're kind of hearing things that sounds like it's repetitive. You know what I'm saying? But it's just a lot of content that's constantly put it, being put out. Well, we, we, we've also entered it into a, into a space to that point. We've gone from filtration to saturation. Yes. Right? Where like, to G's point, things used to be filtered through a number of different levels, right? You mm -hmm. could not, number one, produce at the level. Right. And even if you did, if you were making records in your basement somehow because you had an eight it track sounded like or that. four track, number one, it sounded like that. And then number two, there were bottlenecks of constraint in terms right. of who heard it. Exactly. Unless you were selling out the trunk, you couldn't just walk up to Hot 97 and get your record played. Right. You needed a Hot 97 right. to get your record played. Now, with the internet, for better or for worse, you can go direct to consumer or direct to market. Exactly. And that also saturates the whole space. So I'm, I'm going to push back on, the, on this on a couple of things. First of all, I don't put the onus completely on the artists. Clearly, those who are in position to make decisions about what's played on the radio, they are at fault of this as well. Uh, consumers wanting more out of their artists is part of it as well. So that's all of it. But I don't think filtration stopped. I think what's being filtered has changed. Because the truth of the matter is when I go online, when I go to my Spotify, when I go to my Pandora, when I go to my Apple Music, that's where I find the difference stuff. If you turn on the radio or what's being popular marketed, that's been filtered to this is what we're going to give you. Yeah. So the filtration is still happening. It's just they are choosing, and like I said, that's why it's not all an artist. They're choosing to only give us this. My last, my last question to you on this. Um, you know, you're talking about the notion of originality, but you're also talking about in a space, to kind of Gloria's point, that the way we not only make music, but also consume music is very different. Yeah. It used to be back in the day that people would drop an album. You wouldn't, they would drop an album, they would tour. After they toured, they would go back into the studio for another year, year and, they would take some time off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they would go back to the studio and then they would come up with a new sound. I can mm. literally remember listening to interviews of artists that were coming out with albums and saying, we're doing something new, we got a new sound. Because they had the time mm -hmm. in order to do that. I think part of what happens is we live in such a short attention span space that you can't, as an artist, take that time. Mm. You can't take the time to develop something new, different, and original because you take two months off and just like, no, you are <laughs> has-been. Which is why you got artists who continue to drop stuff. Mm. May not be good, it's just stuff just to keep their name out there. And I think that that's a function of how we have been groomed to consume music now. Yeah. If you look at the top, the biggest artists that are out, period, those are the ones who are the, ori who are the originals in their sounds. Like when you look at them, and some of them are veterans and some of them are new. So it ranges <laughs> from the Beyonce's to the Anderson Packs, right? To the, their whole approach to like, I'm doing me. Those are the biggest ones. People want to talk about the bag. Mm. Y'all, these people out here who are cookie cutter ain't seeing this bag. Yeah, they getting people, on, but right, not you're really. not you're not getting on. These people who are original, and this is why I say it pays to be original. The reason why 
um, uh, uh, whether it be a, a Bruno Mars or a Rihanna. Or the reason why they can be these places and get these Super Bowl gigs because there's nobody else sounding like them. And when they came out, they were them. Everybody else is like, you want me to play this? Like, fam, I already got 10 future records. I don't need yours. You know what I'm saying? So there's no real money in that unless right. you're happy with the pocket changes you're going to get. There's no real money in copying somebody else. So to get to the bag, be original. Be original. Or understand that, hey, you are not an artist. You can get money because what they're really good at is marketing. They know the system. Mm. But they are so focused on becoming famous. They don't want to be artists. They want to be famous. But if you want the bag, yo, this marketing, this executive stuff, that's where the real money is. But they want to be famous. So we get stuck with cookie cutter artistry. Well, that's going to do it for Style of Performance with DJ CEO. I want to thank you for bringing us that segment, my dude. My pleasure, brother. Always my pleasure. appreciate it. My pleasure. And it which brings us to our main conversation. But before we get there, uh, do yourself a favor. Make sure you're hitting that like button. Make sure you're hitting that subscribe button. If you're checking us out on YouTube or listening to us and streaming us wherever podcasts are heard, make sure you have liked and subscribed to Charles Coleman Podcast, your new favorite podcast, your new home for black brilliance. I want to get into our main discussion. Um, there's been so much discussion around and, and, and conversation around our people, our community, our history, our legacy, and its value in 2023. And what I mean by its value, obviously, the legacy, the history, the story of who we are as a people, particularly in America, <clears throat> has been under attack. There is a, a, a war against wokeness, which is really a war on anti-blackness. And the truth. That has, correct, and the truth, mm -hmm. right? And that conversation has led to obviously significant pushback in the form of critical race theory on one hand. And we have seen this conversation emanate out of Florida around AP courses with respect to African-American history. I think that we take for granted because we are like-minded individuals. And I think that some of our audience members take for granted that there are black people who actually believe that somehow this is something that maybe we don't need to discuss. I think that we, and when I say we, I'm talking about the three of us on this couch and a lot of people in the audience who are like-minded mm. assume that everybody gets it. We assume that everybody sort of is on the same page about it. But if you look, it's not necessarily true. There are people who look like you and me who are saying, I don't necessarily need my kid to learn this history. I don't necessarily need my kid to be, their, their word, indoctrinated in this way because they believe it stimulates and promotes a system or a, rather a, a belief or a notion of, of oppression. Like, I don't want my kid learning that they're oppressed. If they don't learn that they're oppressed, then there's no psychological barrier for them. This is their argument. So I wanted us to really, like, unpack that. What are your thoughts there? Do you think that there's any merit to that? Or do you think that it's a balance? Like, or do you think that these people are just crazy and nuts? I think that these people don't really understand the fact that if you don't teach it, doesn't mean that they're not gonna freaking experience it in their life. <laughs> right. Like, is it like some kind of secret? Like, let's stop talking about it. <laughs> right, 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 right. And then maybe all of a sudden, all of the experiences they're going to have throughout the course of their life, they're just gonna miss. That's mm -hmm. not how it works. The reality is a lot of these conversations 
about what's happening have been happening for a very long time and they're not going to stop. So information is power. Information to equip you, information to prepare you to deal with those realities. Me having my conversation with my son about how he needs to engage on public transportation because if he gets pulled over by a cop, like that's a real conversation to prepare him for a reality that something can happen to him, even though his father is a policeman. Yeah. You understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And that he needs to understand as a black male how to interact with the police department when he's encountered. Now, the idea that I don't prepare him with that information is going to absolve him of a reality that this could happen? Like, what? This, that just doesn't make sense. I think you highlight a very important point in that part of the disconnect is for some people, and you hear this a lot or you've heard this in different pockets from celebrities who live like sort of in a, in a bubble, in a bubble mm -hmm. or the perception of a race-neutral reality, when you think that your money is long enough to shield them from the effects of that, that's when you sort of are more inclined to say, I don't want my kid learning that my kid is oppressed, so on and so forth, because you believe that for 24 hours in a day, seven days a week, your money is so long right. that you can protect their reality or shape their reality in a way where that sort of clash that you described never, never happens. happens. Yeah, I mean, I almost have nothing to say because G said it all, really. Um, but it's, I, like I always say, when it comes to black uh, people in the world, not just America, but in the world, our experiences are going to vary, but our realities are all the same. Right? Mm. There are a lot of us who may not... I, when I say this, people look at me like, what? To this day, I've never had one bad experience with the cops. To God be the I'm going to cut that up and edit it and <laughs> put it out and make you sound like... <laughs> you're going to sound like Herschel. <laughs> to, man, <I'm> <laughs> to, God be the to God be the glory. But however, that doesn't mean I don't have the same fears as those who had bad experiences with the cops. Which is probably more important. Right, because I understand the reality of my skin, what, you know, what it exposes me to as I walk around on my daily life. So that needs to be understood. Everybody's experience is not the same, but our realities as black folks are the same. Um, the idea that we should not, because you, you, can't, you cannot talk about our oppression and then also talk about the highlights of that we've given this world. Because you got to understand, what makes us so magical, what makes everything we've done that amazing is that we've done it in spite of. And we're talking about post, we're talking about post-transatlantic slave. We were doing amazing things yeah. on the continent. We were doing amazing <coughs> things in South America, here in North America, long before that, right. right? But the things that we've accomplished, the things that we've contributed to society post uh transatlantic slave trade, like, that's why you can't not, not talk about oppression. Like, we did this while all this was happening. We made all these inventions. We contributed this much. You, you have to talk about oppression. Gee, you know, I had a thought that I wanted to sort of engage you on um, that I think is instructive in this space. Because you are Haitian-American, and because this is a conversation that is, generally speaking, occurring about the history of black people in America. I am always fascinated by the idea that like, if you're looking at it from a analogous place, one thing that I know about most Haitians that I've met ever is that they are very, very clear and in tune and aware of their history, their nation's history, the spirit of revolution and how the country got to where it is. I've never once encountered a Haitian person who 
understanding that history didn't instill a sense of pride. Right. And so for me, I just, you know, I, I would love for you to sort of touch on that by way of comparison because I find it laughable when people say my kid is going to learn that they're oppressed or be indoctrinated into the idea that they're oppressed. I think to your point, CEO, to bridge those two, it's actually more an example of my kid is going to learn where he comes from in a way that understanding where he is now and that journey should instill a much greater sense of pride, which is why I think it worries people to the extent that it does. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the thing. You know, at the end of the day, the question becomes, what's the story? Mm. Yeah, which story are you telling? <laughs> what story are you telling? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And how does this story play out? What You know, at the end of the day, if it's balanced and it's taught in a way that highlights the truth, we don't really have anything to worry about. And neither do they. Because at the end of the day... Oh, no, it, they, they, they they definitely got something to worry about. <laughs> but, but I'm saying, but, but they need to learn the story about us, too. That's the problem. Why? Because it's going to help them. And listen, at the end of the day, I, I, understand what I'm saying. If we keep... If we keep fighting about how this, what this story is, or the idea, we we don't want to talk about the story at all, right? <laughs> right? Right. That's not where we are because time is continuing to progress. The reason why the Haitians are proud is because we keep the truth of what took place, and then we keep adding on to it. And that no nonsense attitude that existed that caused them to revolt at the very beginning. It's the same no-nonsense attitude that exists today <laughs> that caused them to get that prime minister out 24 months ago right. when he was wilding out. You understand right. what I'm saying? Right. And the, the narratives are different. He was a black man, but they yeah. got, yeah. Yeah, you know, he had to go. He, he, oh, he, he not for us? Oh, okay. You gotta go. Yeah, I know what we got to do. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, I'm just saying that the story needs to constantly evolve because it encompasses more and more information. If it's balanced, then it's not going to leave your kid feeling oppressed. I think there are two things that you said that are important in this whole conversation. Number one is balance, right? Like, it's, it's just not enough to sort of say, yo, you was bought, you was sold, like, good to quote, goody mob. Right. And, you know, and, and that's what you was told. Like, there is, and, and, and the whole notion of, and, and again, part of it is, to your point about the number of things that we were doing and the number of places we were doing them in, when it's framed in a model that's, like, up from slavery, and that's the beginning, right. and the context for right. everything that follows afterwards, then it does become pro problematic. Right. The other thing that I'll say, so balance is key. The other thing that I'll say that I always find interesting about this discussion is there is an unwillingness to place current day events in the appropriate context. And I think that's something that, you know, like I've, I've talked to Hillary about this before. For example, I think one of the reasons why some of us are hesitant to do that is because we hold together our lives based on stories we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. So for us, for many of us, we need certain things, certain realities about race to be true or not true just to keep our heads level. Because if we think about, wait a minute, so y'all did this back then and we're still facing oppression now? For some people, that's crazy making. Mm -hmm. Like they really don't know how to keep it together. So this conversation for some people, actually, when you think about it, it's difficult for them to embrace because when you understand what currently still is taking place, mm -hmm. how couldn't you be a little angry? Right. How couldn't you have a certain amount of rage? And some people, they can't operate in that space, so they reject it altogether. Um, kind of what you just said made me think of Baldwin, to be uh, black in America and relatively... Sure. 
you know, conscious means that you're in a constant state of rage, right? But I wanted to kind of touch on what G was saying. I think it's very important that those who are on the oppressor side know the story. It's because you can't ask somebody to change something that they don't acknowledge is already existing. Right. So you need to know, like, this, whether they accept it or not, that's a whole other conversation. But we can't be like, but at this right, we don't point, need to though, bro. But at some they point, they got the same books, the same Google, the same. I, I, I get like it. Like, if they don't know now. But I get it. But the truth of the matter is, for we we can't give up. We can't give up for us because they still have all of the power. Even though we are the global majority, when you talk about the United States of America, they have the power. So it's not like we can be like, all right, let's stop talking about it. Let's band together. Let's get solidarity. They're not gonna let that happen. So we gotta you. You have to. For us, we gotta learn it. We, yeah, and you gotta change people's minds. That's the only way you get to that point. And the truth of the matter is, if I'm 100 percent honest, you always ask, "Do I believe in the Negro?" Yes. Will there be a revolution? No, because nobody's ready to die. Well, that's a different conversation. One that we will have, which I appreciate you bringing mm-hmm. up. Um, but we're gonna leave it there. That is going to do it for today's main conversation on the Charles Coleman podcast. We got rules of engagement, our conversation on love, sex, and relationship, everybody's favorite discussion. We got a good one today. But before we get into it, make sure you do yourself a favor. Hit that like button at the bottom of the screen, that subscribe button if you're watching us on YouTube, getting all this sexiness. And if you're listening on Pandora, on iTunes, on Spotify, make sure you are registered and subscribed to the Charles Coleman Podcast, your new home for Black Brilliance. So... Super excited about our conversation tonight. I have the pleasure and the honor of being with the two lovely ladies of the Dream Team. Hillary Powell's in the building. You're giving purple leather right now. I am. I so am. we're going to figure something we'll out. We'll work on that. We'll work on that. We'll work on that. We'll work on that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, to my right, you all know how you love her, the boss at 593 Washington, the professional winner, looking like a winner, looking like a snack dinner. We got Gloria Sherubin in the building. How you doing, Gloria? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. How you feeling? I'm fantastic. You know, with all of this, I I keep telling y'all, if you don't watch the show for nothing else, if you don't actually watch the visuals for nothing else, you got to watch the rules of of engagement. I mean, do you see what black people are giving out here? People doing whole lookbooks off of everything we're doing for whole seasons. (laughs) But I want to get into an interesting conversation I had a discussion with another Dream Team member. I was talking to mm-hmm. Kurt, and Kurt and I had a discussion about whether black men actually like black women. And there was a lot of conversation afterwards, a lot of discussion, because there were a lot of women who felt like, hey, this is a valid conversation. Mm-hmm. Because my experience is telling me, you know, in terms of the things that I see and that I, you know, the vibes that I get. Maybe they don't, even though initially it may have sounded crazy to some people. But then I got a lot of pushback from men. And a lot of men were like, yo, we don't really feel like black women. A lot of black women like black men. And they cited a bunch of different things in terms of how it has been in vogue of late to you know, be at these like war of the sexes types of things. So I wanted to talk to you guys. As two women who I think will be honest about the discussion and level-headed and, and, and be objective, do black women really actually like black men? And if they don't, or if they do, where's all this other negative stuff coming from? Let me start off by saying black women absolutely love black men. Like, historically, like, we are black men champions. We, we stay in by our man. We are about our boys. 
You know what I'm saying? You like, love please, us, but do you like us? We like black men. We keep going back absolutely for more not. and more and more. Oh, you say absolutely not. I did. Okay, so you so you love <laughs> us. I agree with her. Wait, I agree with her. I think we love you. But you don't like us. But currently, we are at a point where we are willing to be honest about whether or not we actually like you. Mm. And we don't. Well, and, and you know what? I'll say this. I could... Because I'm not speaking for everyone. Sure, of but course. But yes, there is a space in there where, where we don't. We don't like a lot of things about you. Why not? Well, because I think, you know, in our current in the current climate and environment, women generally are pushing forward in society. And there's a lot of pushback, you know, in our community. But I think that the issue is that as black women move and integrate into a society where the patriarchy is not managed by black men mm. and we make strides in that system, there's a lot of conflict there. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot. And I think I, I do have to clarify Be- something because you said, G made a point that I thought was very interesting. She said, we keep coming back to y'all. Yeah. And you said, but we don't like y'all. Is that the love? That make like what? Because we do love, keep coming back. So but, then what, what but is But I want to finish my statement by saying that there is an overarching patriarchy and a system that is controlled by non-black men. That black men are also integrated into, but black men have historically been harvesting their power from black women. And so now if we're able to move in that into that system of patriarchy that's not managed by black men and thrive, then black men are like, well, who the hell are we gonna like be, be have power it's, it's, over? There's a, well, I don't know if it's necessarily have power over. Yeah, and yeah. I think- uh, no. That's what patriarchy is. Let's be that is, but yeah. what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is the sentiment of black men, and I don't want to get too heady about it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these intellectual ass terms. Well, I'm just saying. I get it. I get it. I think it's more a matter of the notion of displacement, mm-hmm. and so I think that for a lot of black men, we've gotten to a place where, quite frankly, we're tired of being told how much you don't need us. Black women historically, consistently, are still pursuing black men. Now, the question really today should be... Are you going to tell me your question? Yes. All right, well, I'm, I'm all Do for it. Do black men really love black women? The love piece, I think, is same. Is the same. Okay. I think the love piece is the same. I think that you made a great point where you talked about, and I do think it's very valid, we're in a space where we got options. And when I say we, I'm talking about people. Right. I'm not talking about men or women. We've ha- we have options. We have more things that are available to us, more things that we can do. And because of that, we don't have to agree to do the things that we've done before. Right. We don't have to agree to s- accept the things that we've done before. I think it's very true that women have been saying, and black women in particular, have been standing up and saying, I have more options than my grandmother did, so I don't have to deal with the situation that my grandmother was in, right. regardless of how that may appear to you. Right. At the same time, to the point that you made, Hillary, I think that the conflict is real because I also think that black men, certain black men, not the dudes who iron in their shirt on their beds, but because they're out here, but like real certain black men, I feel are saying the same thing. I'm not going to deal with a woman who's not emotionally mature enough to be accountable. I'm not going to deal with a woman who is emotionally or psychologically manipulating or gaslighting. I ain't doing that. and, And I think the, the the interesting piece, G, you've been married, Hillary, you are married, is the question of like longevity and sustainability. And the reason I say that is because 
for a lot of black men, it's like, I can stand pat. I actually don't need to get married if I don't, because right. I don't want to engage in that. I don't want that to be the thing. And then the conflict, one of the pieces of conflict I think that occurs is that that is antithetical to where you guys are or you want to be. Like you all prefer, we've had this conversation before, to be in long-term situations. And I think in terms of community, that's what's best and it's what's needed. But I think that like that notion of options right. is creating the illusion of conflict or, or the actual conflict because people are like, I ain't got to deal with that. I ain't got to deal with that. And men are like, well, if that leaves me without a relationship, I'm all right with it. Yeah, women are too. Like women are women are on some. If it leaves me without a relationship, I'm okay with it. Nah, but the, but are they though? But are they? But well, they are. See, no, listen, absolutely. There's you think lot, so? There's a lot of very I, independent women that are very much okay existing in and of themselves and dating without really being. In, in I'm gonna push back and say I'm gonna push back and say a lot of those women are miserable. No, you're mistaken. So I do think that there are women who are comfortable with not being in relationships. Sure. However, I do think that there is a hype with certain women around. I think that conversation is it's like kind of like the pep rally, right? Where you go, you don't know if you're going to win the game or not, but you go, and it's a whole bunch of people in here. The band is playing, the cheerleaders are cheering, and people are yelling, and it's a pep rally. It's a hype up. It's kind of like building yourself up to say that if this is what I have to do, then I'm going to have to be okay with it. Some of those women are actually okay, but I think the women who are actually okay with being, being, being who are content with being without, unpart I'll say unpartnered or whatever, are women who actually have options. So there are a lot of women mm. who enter these chats, and men too, who enter these chats who don't have any fucking options. No one's calling you. No one's in your DMs. None of that. And that's a You're hard... You're not choosing to be by yourself. Yeah, it's not you a just choice. by yourself. It's right. not a choice. If it's, if it's not a choice, then you're not even really a part of the conversation. So to bring that all back, though, I think that that is an interesting point. You don't get to talk about what black women aren't doing when black women ain't checking for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you know, because there's a lot of that. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I recognize that. Like, there's a lot of cornballs who have decided, oh, black women, this, but no black women are checking for them. But at the same time, at the same time, you also, conversely, on the, on the, on the women's end, don't get to talk about how these men ain't shit when these men are not trying to holler at you either. That's another thing that I see a lot. And it could be that this appearance of conflict is coming from those two groups. Because I Always. Feel, you always. Think, you think no, totally. Is? Always, because if you're content... So that's the thing. If you're happy with what you're doing, you're not out complaining about it. You're mm. chilling. You're content. You're not focused on that. You see what I'm saying? And honestly, those men who are talking shit, like for me, like I tell you guys all the time, I don't see what ugly things... So I don't even know who they are. I think if there's anything that we've kind of sort of like uncovered in this conversation, mm -hmm. it's the fact that like, don't let the options fool you. Right. Don't let the fact that you have the options. Like, it's okay to be real about the fact mm -hmm. that the options exist, but don't let them put you into a space where it alters your reality and shit's not real. Well, you're confused. Too many options will confuse you. Mm. Like, yeah. That's a very good point. It's, it's just it's succinct as we can put it. Like, it's too much to choose from. I don't know. Okay. It's sensory overload. It is. Absolutely. Stay in your lane. Stay in your bag, black women. Let's do it. That's going to bring us to the end of another Rules of Engagement. This has been the Charles Coleman Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed. This is the new home for black brilliance. Make sure you've liked. Make sure you subscribe. And make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend. We'll be back every Wednesday. See you soon.
Peace.